Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. For the ministry of your grace, I give you thanks for the instruments and the vessels of honor you've put in this house. Vessels that have been separated for the master's use, been prepared. I pray tonight, O oh God, that your word might be established in our hearts and that we might, like Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, that the eyes of our hearts, the eyes of our understanding would be opened, that we would have a spirit of revelation and wisdom to know that we might experience the power of God, the authority that he entrusts the church with to fulfill and work out your desire and purpose, even into the end of the age, that we would be well grounded in truth and that your love would be vast high and deep, rooted, unfazed, unmoved in the love of God. That we might understand these things, that we might partake of these things in a manner that pleases you. And for this we need understanding tonight, so open our eyes Give us a heart of understanding. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see what you're trying to do. These things that have been cl closed and unrevealed to the world. They do not hear. They do not see. They do not partake. And we have the privilege, oh God, to see your hand raising up a godly house, an incredible body that represents your headship. And your spirit, oh God, lead us in the direction we're to go tonight and strengthen your church. She might attain to the fullness of your desire in our generation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So God, we talked about the book of Judges, chapter 2, verse 16. We were talking about that in every generation known to man, God always raised up leaders. This is the verse that we started out with the men on Monday night. We said, God is looking for those willing to lead. And you know what is lacking in our generation? Say with me, leaders. leaders. Nobody wants to lead because it requires responsibility. It requires tireless nights. A leader is willing to start all over every morning to take on the weight of responsibility. And to be able to be counted as a leader is no small thing. I have, I have an onslaught 
onslaught of teachings that say that the leader's greatest adversary, the opponents of a leader, are those closest to him. How many say amen? Amen. The closest person to you is the one that continues to be the situation. I, I often say that a husband says, I would be a great husband if it wasn't for my wife. And a wife says, I would be a great wife if it wasn't for this guy. And so we all say the same thing. I would be a great son if my father left me alone. That standard of excellence is what separates a leader from a common man. I used to tell my sons when they were playing basketball, they said, Dad, we would have won if the referees weren't so bad. We would have been champions if all the, if, if the clock didn't run out, if the time didn't, didn't run out, we would have been champions. And we always point. A leader refuses to point at anything to keep him back from being a champion. That's the difference between a leader That's the difference between being a champion and not being a champion. A champion is not going to give up. A leader will not say it's not going to happen today. Look at the circumstances. Look at the rain. Look at the sun. Look at the stars. So here it is. These, let's go back to Judges chapter 2 verse 16. God always raised up leaders, judges, who can deliver the people out of the hand of those who plundered them of those who were raiders, of those who were pirates. God always raised up a champion in every generation. And it's no less now that God is seeking those that will be heroes and conquerors. And that's why he told his leader, his his team was ready to go fulfill this mandate. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go and make champions of all nations. Prepare people to be heroes in all places. Anybody discipled to be a follower of Christ is a champion, period, bar none. One walking upon the earth with the character of Christ, with the attitudes of a faithful son, with the desire to please the Father in all things, In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, verse 20, teaching them to observe the easy things. We got verse 20 up there? There it is. Teaching them to observe the easy things. My Bible says all things. Teaching them to be prepared in every situation at all times, in all places, with all peoples. No surrender. Prepare them that that the things I've commanded, a, a, a commandment is the things that a commander entrusts. All things that I've commanded you, do it. So that my presence will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Um, How would God bring this to pass? How would God make 
champions and leaders to deliver all nations from those that would plunder them. How would God do this? Through discipleship. Where do we get this raw material for preparing leaders? I want to suggest this. Ready? Selfish, sinful sinners is what God calls out to become loving, righteous saints. Where are these people? You can say amen right now. That's me. That's me. Wellington Boone says, from the ghetto gutter to God's uttermost and highest prince. Where does this happen? This is God's plan. This is why so many people hate the church. Number one on that list is Satan. Because the people that come to the church are being transformed from glory to glory into the likeness of Christ. It's there that that God is fulfilling his plan, taking sinful man to become righteous saints. Matthew 16, 18, that's where Jesus confronted the worst with the best. The only thing that prevails against hell is the church. The only thing that prepares you to come against every demon in hell is your capacity to be part, integral part, knitted together, fitted to participate with the church. Uh, When you talk about the church, many people have many descriptions of what the church is. The great majority of the ministers that have come out of the church hate the church. That's where all the full gospel businessmen have come from. That's where uh, youth with a mission, YWAM, uh, Christ for all nations. That's where Campus Crusade. That's where all the ministries that, that are upon the earth doing ministry, you ask them, where do you go to church? Oh, I don't. I just do ministry. I just do ministry. But I'm not going. I, I heard one of the greatest evangelists of all time is Nikki Cruz. And, and seeing such disgust in the church, he says, you know something? Forget about the church. Let's just go get sinners. Let's just go save the lost. And the reason is because here is where we can see the true character of man. It's here where we see faithfulness. It's here where we see loyalty. Here, I just went to visit a prisoner this this morning, and he says, Pastor, I was up there in Virginia, and and I, I did so many Bible studies teaching what you teach, that when the life hits you, what comes out is what was in there. It wasn't the hit. It's God allows the hit to show you where you're at. And if you're going to be hit, my friend, it's going to be in the house of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you're going to be confronted, it's going to be right here. And he says, Pastor, I, and he, he grabbed his coke and he said, I did what you do. 
I told all the prisoners, the bitterness is not, is not the hit, it's what's inside. And you, he said like this, he says, I told them if they fill themselves up with love and they get hit, love comes out. Isn't that awesome? You guys gotta have to mock that, right? The church is the, it's not a building. It's not a physical structure. A lot of people want to treat the church as a fraternity. Listen, they come, they sit down, they listen to a sermon, they say, Pastor, thank you, and they leave. They do not carry the weight and the responsibility of the kingdom of God. They don't understand but, but to be the church, to, to be refined as a leader, is to uh, gird your loins and get ready. Get ready for blood, sweat, and tears. Get ready for God to deal with you in your character, in preparation, in heat, in trials, all perfecting your ability to love authentically. To love like God loves. To be who God is. Uh, the word church is those called out of the world. How many, how many are here not because you like Joaquin Molina, not because you, you like the, the air conditioner, your air conditioner broke down so you get a couple of air. No. You're here because God called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And the Bible says that he would add to the church daily those who were to be saved. That means, um, there it is in Acts 2.41. He, he was calling people. And the call of God upon your life is, is such that you don't give any credit to man. Those who gladly received his word were baptized they, they welcomed the instruction of God. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to the church. They were added. They were, they were put in there. They were part of God's team. They were, they were in the enterprise of becoming world-changing leaders. Walking with God. Being tried. And so in this course of God adding to the church, those who would become a part of the church, we see that, that this house is being built to conquer the gates of hell, to overcome. Romans 16.5 shows that sometimes those who were called out would meet at a house. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. It wasn't a building he was greeting. There were, there were some people meeting in that house that said, I want to conform to the purpose of God in my lifetime. The church that meets at that house, greet them. These first fruits, these souls that have been won over to the Lord. 1 Peter 1.25 says that we do not get into the church without the preaching of the word. So you heard the word somewhere. That word, which is, he says, the word of the Lord that is everlasting. This word, which the gospel was preached to you, 
Every single person in the church has been preached to, declared the word of the Lord. Some, somehow, somebody invited you to repent, to receive Christ, to receive the gospel, the good news, which was preached to you. And that is the beginning. It says, after you heard the word of the Lord, the divine instruction that is, endures forever, the word which is good news that was, hey you, Jesus loves you. And he died for you on the cross and wants to forgive your sins. And you heard that word, chapter 2, verse 1, which is the next verse. Remember back in those days, there are no verses, there's no chapters. These letters are written continuously. Since you heard the word, you're prepared to put away everything that doesn't please God. Laying aside all malice. There's no maliciousness in you. The, the man who I want to go see in prison today, he says, people think that I, I, I'm 10 years younger than my age because I, I, there's no more maliciousness. I'm not, he looks like a schoolboy. He says, my face has been healed. I have peace in my life. I have joy in my life. And so here it is, all malice, all deceit, all theater. How many know we live in a theater world? A lot of theater all that is gone. Um, the majority of the pastors that I meet, and this is, this is um, went to, to South American country. I said, hey, excuse me. You're a co-pastor, right? He goes, yeah, I'm a co-pastor. How many times have you been to the senior pastor's house in 15 years? Take a guess. Never. Aren't you in my house? Then you're going to see who I really am. I keep you down the street and far away. Because if you come to my house, you're going to see a mess. You're going to see that it's not all authentic and real. He says, no more theater. No more pretend is the real and raw thing. No more envy, no more evil speaking. The prisoner said today, I don't say any more bad words. And the, the prisoners can't believe me. I can't believe I don't curse anymore. Well, you know why? Because he heard the gospel and put all these things away. And it says there in verse 2, like a newborn babe, I'm drinking some milk. I'm getting spiritually fed so that I can grow. Say with me, grow. You know the saddest thing in the world? Somebody who doesn't grow. Someone who stays stagnant. I had a five-year-old come into my office this morning and says, hey, my sister doesn't want to go to school or church. And I said, well, she doesn't want to grow up. She doesn't want to grow. We need to grow, people. We need to be leaders. We cannot go into the church for 10 years and continue to walk like we did when we first came in here. That, that is an indictment to our immaturity. I, I see people tonight, they're like, I'm upset. I'm going to let the pastor know I'm upset. Here. I said, you know something? Grow up. Because you're not a little girl anymore. You're not a little boy. Grow up. You're not doing nothing. You're acting like a child. And you need to grow up. Because there's thousands upon thousands of people that need to see 
the church in all maturity. You're not going to do anything throwing a tantrum. Grow up. Quit acting like a baby. Some people need to be spanked all the time. That's how they feel good. If you spank me, then I'll stop acting like a brat. It says like this, this is the, the hallmark. This is the hallmark of those who are growing up in the church. Ready? Romans 14, 7. We do not live anymore for ourselves. We're not living for what none of us lives to himself. You're not, you, this is not about you, my friend. God needs you to carry on. Thank you, sir. God needs you to carry on. We don't live to ourselves no more. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, since Jesus taught us that it's not about us, since he died for everyone, those who live should no longer live for themselves. This is not about you. A long time ago, it stopped being about you when Jesus died on the cross and they spit him and they crucified him and they, they speared him. That's where all your tantrums had to be released on the cross. Now you must die and show that every suffering and every hardship is one willing to die so that you might also raise again. He says, we don't live anymore for ourselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. We're living for Christ. I, 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 I can't get upset anymore. I'm sorry. I, I can't allow situations to cause me to be a default. How many know what a default is? Default mode. I got, I got to go back to, I can't. I can't do that no more. God, Christ wants me to grow he wants me to live. He wants me to continue forward. This is, this is those leaders, verse 9 of this same passage, chapter 5, verse 9 says like this. He says, don't you know that what God is creating, let's go 2 Corinthians 5, 19. I'm sorry, 5, um, 5, 9. where we're at yeah there I go first Peter I'm sorry let's go back to first Peter I got these I got these first Peter 2 and then we'll verse 9 first Peter 2 9 this is this is the hallmark of those who heard the word of God who drank the milk who grew up this is the full expression you are chosen in this generation as a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special people that you can praise him who called you out of darkness into great light. You, you're not to, to, to sit there, I'm upset, I'm, I'm not gonna grow. You're not, you're supposed to shout great praises that you're no longer in darkness. I, listen, I told my next door neighbor, I said, listen, you know why I'm intense about Christ? I still remember where Christ pulled me out of. I still remember how nightmarish it was to be without Christ. I can't play with that. I can't afford to go back to that. I can't put my family into that. I'm out of that thing. I'm not gonna allow anything to direct me back into destruction. The one, the one little, one little step 
misstep, kaboom, a landmine. Ephesians 2.19, we're no longer strangers and indifferent. We're no longer foreigners. With, with, we're now connected. Let's read that, please. Ephesians 2.19, you're not, no longer disconnected. You're no longer distant. You're not a lone ranger. Do you see lone ranger in that? Could you please? Longer, stranger, you could get rid of some of those letters and you see a lone ranger. We'll be playing, what is that game called? Vanna, please turn the letters. We're no longer living for ourselves. It's no longer about us. We need to pursue God's desire. We're connected as citizens with the saints. We are integral members of the household of God. The word household is family. We have, a, we have a devastation of family upon the earth. I was listening to some stories that were horrendous. They just, just five minutes ago, listening to, to this Cuban family that the father uh, unites with his wife and has a child. He says, it's not mine. You're, you must be, uh, the wife said, it was the wife that told him, this is not your child, I'm a prostitute. This is, and they did the test on the child they came back 99.9, his child. And he says, no, that was done wrong. That's not my child. And to this day, the child is 29 years old and does not have a father. Doesn't have a semblance of a father. Doesn't know what a father is. And this is an everyday reality in our world. And here God is inviting people to be part of a family, and we can't. We don't know what it is to have a family. So you just get upset, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go down the street with complete strangers where nobody knows me, and I know nobody, and that's where I feel right at home. We're not, listen, what we talked about on Sunday with the supernatural explosion of God's power to forgive and to love and to walk as God, we're not even scratching the surface. With the explosion that's going to take place in the world, when the church begins to walk in the intensity of God's love and family is going to be incredible. No longer strangers, no longer um, foreigners, but members of the household of God. He talks about Ephesians 4.11, those that put together the house of God. How many know that it takes really incredible people to put together the house of God. It cannot be fly by night. We have Joey here, he's been walking together for 20 years. Leanne and Omar, 20 years, 30 years. With Palma, 20 years. The good, the bad, the ugly. And and, an intense conviction of the heart to see the glory of God. In faithful character. You know, and this produces an a inheritance for generations to our kids. I, I went to a house one day. The little girl's running away. She said, I don't like my parents anymore. I said, well, get ready. When you don't like this little boyfriend you're running away with, you're going to run away again. I mean, no, that's true. You start running away, it's like Nikki Cruz. Run, baby, run. You're going to run your whole life. Because one day you have to confront the reality that you need to stay and you need to see it through. 
And this is, this is what the, the church is made up. He gave some to be apostles. I saw, I saw a pastor do this once. He says, the apostle is the one that works with everybody. So here the thumb works. Every finger works absent the other except the thumb works with everybody. So that's the apostle. And then it says the prophet is the one who's pointing the direction. So you remember what God is using to build his church. He's using some that could work with all. Do you know people that could work with anybody? Let me ask you a question. Do you know somebody who could work with nobody? I know a lot of those people. They can't work with anybody. Every, well, she looked at me. She got here late. She got here early. She wasn't wearing the right clothes. She said this. She said that. He said this. He went there. They can't work with anybody. So here it is. The apostle works with everybody. He's just, he's just working with the prophet, with the evangelist, with the pastor, with the teacher. So the, the, the prophet is the pointer. Apostle works with everybody. Prophet, the pointer. It's always the direction of God, the voice of God, the, the heart of God. The evangelist is the middle one because he has the farthest reach, right? He's always reaching people. The middle finger. He's always trying to bring people to the Lord. And then you have the pastors, which is the ring finger, because they're preparing the bride of Christ. They're, they're talking about the wedding. They're talking about, man, you gotta, you gotta remember, there's a covenant here. You remember, Jesus has a wedding. He's, you need to be bright. You need to be shining. You need to wear righteous linen, righteous acts, which is white linen. And then the teacher is the one that is able to, I, I wrote it down here, um, the teacher is uh, the one that is The word is, um, I must decrease that he might increase. Teaching us how to be humble. How to, how to if we're going to see greater grace of God, it's going to cause greater humility. And for that, uh, we were talking about um, John chapter 1. I believe it's verse 29. So I was preparing for this. The, the, the printer went out. But to say, I must decrease that he might increase. I must walk in a greater, I, I want people to see more Christ and less of me. That's the teacher, one who teaches character. And God putting all these in a family Psalm 127, one says like this, if God does not build the house, there it is, John, do go to 29, go to John 3, 29 real quick. The teacher speaks like this, I and the bridegroom are friends, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands, hears, rejoices greatly because the bridegroom's voice, therefore the joy of mine is filled. Uh, a teacher has no greater joy than to seeing the people connect that need to connect. Need to connect. With who? With Christ. I, I don't have to speak to you. I, I was telling somebody in my office this morning, I said like this, I said like this. You want to hear what I think you should do and that, that is good. But my heart is that you might hear God. Because what God wants you to do is greater than what I want you to do. And if you're only going to do what man tells you to do, what man tells you, you pretty much are not spending time with God. 
I could tell you some good things. And, and in my lifetime, I've heard a lot of good things. But the things that God has called me to do are greater than anything man could teach. It's a, when, you, when you see it, you say, well, so-and-so, he learned it from this. But when God is speaking to you, it's supernatural. And people see the glory of God and not the glory of man. And here John was saying, I must decrease. I must get out of the way. Verse 30, he must increase. The way God wants us to do things is greater than the way we do things. Let's go to Psalm 127 now. Unless the Lord is building the church, and I, I, I promise you, I promise you that the Lord has built his house. Amen. I promise you. And if the Lord doesn't build a house, they who labor, labor in vain. God wants to see. God, God wants the church to rise up and be seen by all people. He is, I don't know if you know this, I gotta say it. He's a jealous God and is not gonna allow you to play with his church. He's not gonna allow you to play around in his church. The descriptions that he has in putting this family together. Second Corinthians eleven two, he says, This is Paul speaking, he says, I'm zealous for you with a godly eagerness and divine jealousy. You are promised to marry one husband and to be presented to him as a chaste virgin to Christ. Everything that goes on here, you listen to me. I'm willing for you to get mad at me forever. But the end, all be all, is how you present yourself as the bride of Christ. I'll tell you a story that I just heard this week which was crazy. The people that surround Israel and that they live in those realms that they wish that Israel did not exist decided on Israel's birthday to send a gift over to the prime minister of Israel and they delivered it in a box and when they opened it up, there were three chunks of human feces. They, sent it, they thought it was a bomb, but when they opened it up, they found out that it was crap and that's what they were sending Israel on their birthday. And the prime minister prepared a gift to send back and he went to the richest part of their research and development where they had the best scientists developing the highest and most modern secret chips and data and memory and put it in a box and delivered it over to these people. And when they opened it up, they said, why would they give us their best? And in there, there was a note and it said like this, all peoples are able to give gifts with the best that they have to offer. 
What does that mean? It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You represent the bride of Christ. And you owe it to Christ to walk with dignity and honor and respect and high, high nobility. That's who we are. We can't afford to be a, an eyesore. You, you, you go to church. You, you a Christian. You're related to, to that love and sacrifice? No, my friend. No. You're a farce. You're a fake. You're not legitimate. You're not authentic. And, and let me tell you something. God wants us to be real. God wants us to be real. And this is where, where it's being produced. And I'm telling you that, that the circumstances, the situations are all opportunities for us to uh, walk out the character of Romans 8.37 where it says, in all these things we are world-changing leaders. We are champions. We are winners. We are victors. Through him, because of him who loved us. This presentation is one that God desires to bring to the whole world, Ephesians 5.25, to present his bride to all nations. Ephesians 5.25. Husband, love your wives as Christ also loves the church and surrendered himself, gave himself for her. Verse 26. The church that he might separate, that he might cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word. You, you could, how many are getting scrubbed tonight? How many say, you know something, I'm, I'm, I'm understanding God is bringing me to that place. Verse 27 that he might present to himself, that he might present her to himself as a glorious church without spots and wrinkle or any such blemish that she should be holy without stain. This is what he's doing. This is the place where it's getting done. This is the place where God is confronting our hellish attitudes, hell-like John 10, 14, he says, I'm the good shepherd and my sheep know me. Even as my father knows me, I know my father and I lay down my life for the sheep. What does this mean? What does it mean that he's gonna treat the church like if there were their sheep? Let's go to 1 Samuel 17, 34. Your servant was tending his father's sheep and when a lion and a bear came to take the lamb from the flock, I went after him and attacked him and rescued him. And took it out of his mouth and rose up against him. Verse 35, I grabbed him by the beard and I struck him and I killed him. Verse 36, and your servant devoured both the lion and the bear. And this giant, which is mocking the armies of God, will perish in the same manner. What does this say? This says, if Christ is the shepherd and we are the sheep, there's no demon in hell 
that's going to mess with his church. There is no one who's going to mock the armies of the living God. There is no one who is going to taunt what God is doing. I want to finish with 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, because whether you can appreciate or not, and, and I know that, that sometimes families come in here and they bring their children and say, why is pastor so upset? Why is he so angry? We're called to defend the church. We're called to not play around with the church. We're called to give this world an opportunity to see the world and not see worldliness. And Peter writes this. He says, the elders, the ones who are oldest, mature, who are among you, I give earnest voice. I also am a fellow elder. I also have witnessed the sufferings of Christ. And I've been partaking in the glory. I, I will be a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. What's coming down the road, I want to participate. Verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. His first order of priority was to take care of God's people that gathered. Serving as those that are seen a little bit farther down the road. Not because you're forced to. It's, it's horrible to see people serving in the house of God because Julio has to call you. Hey, don't you remember? Uh, Carico has to go. Hey, don't you? It's your turn. Hey, you, you, you had to prepare the songs. Hey, you needed to work. Hey, you Listen, you should be connected to your beloved. You should be connected not because uh, people are forcing you, but willingly, not for benefit, but diligent. Verse 3, not as a gang, but taking care of those entrusted to you by living a life of example. I see what you do, that's what people are going to do. If you had, and, and I know just because of the leadership that's in this church, that there's going to be an opportunity to open up churches all over the world. It's just because that's what God has entrusted to us, to be examples. Examples is a model. That's what they send all over the world. When somebody builds a good house, they say, hey, can we use your blueprint? Can we use your builders? And so people, I was just on the phone with Pastor Larry Harvey yesterday, and he says, Joaquin, you do not have a clue. You don't have a clue what you're on the verge of happening. You don't have an idea what God wants to do to be examples in the whole world of those who authentically, genuinely are not playing games. And it doesn't matter if it's three or four. We've been serious from day one with whoever wants to be serious. Let's stand tonight. You ask the spirit of the Lord to come upon you. I want, to, I want to tell you that just like the spirit of the Lord comes upon people, other spirits come on you too. You better be careful what spirit you're allowing to come on you. Because it will ride your back. 
it will direct your steps. It will harden your heart. The answer is this. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, he says, All this so that when the chief shepherd returns. All this. 1 Peter 5, 4. the guys come in this is going to be the when the chief shepherd appears you receive the crown of glory that does not fade get the inheritance of those who have remained faithful genuine Father, tonight as we contemplate these matters, as we understand that the church is not a building, it's not an institution of men, but it's your body, it's your family, it's your building, spiritual house being built up a most holy faith. With every opportunity to live for you allow us to see your hand in the church your faithfulness Psalm 133 that behold how good and pleasant it is the gathering of your people seeing the outpouring because it's there that you pour out life and blessing. Our children must see what you have prepared that overcomes this world. A faith that is tried, a faith that is steadfast and proven. A maturity that shows this world the character of Christ. Not in one member, but in all members. For you has put them into the body as you have pleased. This is your choosing. And Father, we pray that everything that has come to challenge our vision, to challenge our unity, to challenge your purpose in this house. I believe that we're going to see the victory. I, be- I believe that in all these things, we are more than conquerors. I believe that there is nothing in hell, on earth, or in the heavens that could ever come close to stopping your church, to fulfilling your desire, to seeing a bride prepared and ready to receive 
her, Lord. Let your spirit just saturate our hearts in greater measure than anything. Let us hear your heartbeat, the intensity of your passion and love to say, come Lord Jesus. The bride and the spirit say, come. Come and make us in the character of your son. Continue to perfect and stretch us. Continue to mold us and lead us. Continue to allow the sweet presence of your spirit to be the fragrance that all people welcome. I give you thanks for the church in Miami. I give you thanks for those who love the church. Those who know your heart concerning your bride. I pray for prosperity for all those who love the church, oh God. Pray for blessing and peace for those who seek out the best interest and well-being of the church. Peter, do you love me? Take care of my sheep. Shepherd, tend, keep. We give you thanks, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's go ahead and sing a song to the Lord as we greet one another.